Good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to be with you all today. And um, what I'm going to do is just take a few verses and just kind of follow the thread. And um, I'll share some personal experiences just to uh, make it alive for today because we can just read things quickly sometimes. And um, we know the verses, and, but I believe God wants us to embrace his word and, and uh, live in his word, experience his word, even as the early church did. So uh, Acts chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 37 and 38. Books about Jesus, of course. Now, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I've been sp spoken through that passage many times, or spoken by that passage. Uh, Jesus went around doing good. He went around doing good. And as believers, of course, we are to be those who go about doing good. And I'm <clears throat> very pleased that as a church, uh, we are involved in situations where we are doing good, whether in a practical way, hands-on, whether through giving or praying. And uh, I commend you all for that. May we continue to go about doing good. So you might say, in one sense, Jesus uh, was involved in just the, the nitty-gritty, the daily uh, hands-on things but he was also uh, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And we know, of course, of the miracles that he produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus went about, about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I believe we're to be involved in that same ministry. Um, Acts chapter <clears throat> 6. We read about the choosing of the, the deacons. Acts chapter 6, about uh, a complaint uh, was received from the Hellenistic Jews that the native Hebrews, um, against the native Hebrews, because the widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And so this is Acts chapter 6, verse 2. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. And you know that. It took me quite a while to get that video together. Um, it was a real, real challenge, <laughs> but we, we saw it and we heard it. And then <clears throat> what impresses me here, verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, and Stephen, Stephen means crown, full of grace and power was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Wow, he was a man who would say, oh, he's a deacon. Oh, he's not an evangelist, he's not this, he's not that, he's a deacon. Well, here's a deacon in the Bible days, he was moving in, in mighty power, mighty signs and wonders. And so there's a challenge here for us all, whether we be deacons or elders or we're Give us whatever our gifting may be. Uh, let's not limit 
God using us in powerful ways because the needs are so great everywhere. So Stephen was full of grace and power and performing great wonders and signs among the people. And then over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Read about the widows um, and people being cared for. 1 Timothy 5. What impresses me in the first few verses, I do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. How we need to respect one another, how we need to honour one another. I'm sure you've been grieved as much as I have in recent weeks and months with what's been happening in America and the politics and the lack of respect shown by people in leadership. Um, we need to honour one another, respect one another, love one another, forgive one another. And here we see, uh, talking of the older man, uh, uh, respond to him as a father. And the younger men as brothers. The older women as mothers. The younger women as sisters. And it adds an all of purity. And honour the widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. And there are instructions about putting the widows on the list. They had to be uh, above 60 years of age and so on, uh, full of good works and ministering. Um, women who had served faithfully and, and gave of themselves, and then they could be um, put on that list where they would be cared for. I'm just thinking about the widows in our day. We are so fortunate here in Canada and in the Western world. But speaking of Canada, we are so blessed, as you know. Uh, we are one of the most favoured countries, I believe, in the world. And the care that we have, the care we receive through our government and so on. And it, it wasn't then, it wasn't like it is. Well, back in those days, there wasn't the care that um, we have today. Uh, in many countries of the world today, people struggle um, because of the lack of care through government. But we have a lot of care, as you know, and I'm just so grateful. I've been going the last over two months into the clinic in Parksville uh, three times a week to have some dressings changed and a, um, a wound in my leg. And I think this week will be the last week I have to go. But I'm just so grateful for the care we have here the good care, the excellent care um, for doctors and nurses who care for people and for governments who provide such care. Now, moving along a little bit, um, there are qualifications for receiving care, as I mentioned. Now, there are warnings in regard to widowhood. There's a danger of widows becoming idle, 
uh, breaking their pledges to the Lord, even following after Satan, becoming gossips and busybodies and so on. And we have instructions here, um, what can be done, what should be done, and so on. I have mentioned before my mother-in-law, Florence Garrett, a wonderful, wonderful woman. She had was going to have three children, but she ended up having 13. <laughs> so there's a, an encouragement for young women. 13. But uh, one died or was dead at birth, and one died at 18 months. But 11 children lived. In fact, half of them have been in full-time service. A wonderful Christian family indeed. But as her parents got older, her father died at 92, and uh, Shirley's mother died at 97. Um, the family gathered to help them. It was the family home. And so a, a call went out that um, if anyone would like to, any son or daughter would like to, any grandchild would like to assist grandpa and grandma, they can do so. And one of the sons bought the half of the family home and gave the money to be used for the father and mother. This is just practical caring for parents. And then after the father, or after the father died, there was just the wife as a widow. And one of the um, children, or the oldest children, child who was had been a nurse, she looked after them, came to live with them for some years. So there was practical care every day. And then finally, the, the youngest daughter took over. She just loved her grandmother. And um, until she died, she was being cared for by not only the family, but also by the youngest daughter. But what happened? Different family members put in money every month. And even though we may not be in that situation or we cannot do it, it's good to be aware that this does take place on some occasions and we can maybe challenge others um, to care for their parents uh, and relatives in such a way. So some of the grandchildren and the sons and daughters put money in every month and there was a meticulous record kept of how much had been given. The purpose was of the record that when the mother finally died, the half, other half of the house would be sold and all those who had given would receive back what they had given in over the years. So that's exactly what happened. So here we were in Canada, uh, supporting in a measure uh, our mother and the record was being kept. And when the mother did die, everyone, including ourselves, received back the money that we had put in over the years. I thought that was kind of good, kind of good that there was the care uh, for a father and a mother and, uh, and we can also be involved in caring. Uh, there's one verse here that I want to just look at for a minute. Verse 22, changing the subject altogether. Uh, Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby sure, share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. So we see a mention of the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. And the laying of hands was not to be practiced lightly or carelessly. If we were to go to Hebrews chapter 6, we read of the um, six foundation stones that for our Christian life, including repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instructions about baptisms, uh, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, 
and eternal judgment. Now, in some churches, there's no such thing as the laying in of hands. It's, uh, I was raised Presbyterian. I don't remember ever being in the church service where someone had their hands laid upon them. Um, other churches, it's different, but it can just become a form, an empty form. But it's to be not just a form, but it's to be imparting life. So we can say the laying in of hands um, is an act in which one person places his hands upon the body of another for some definite spiritual purpose. And often this is, uh, or normally this is accompanied by prayer or by prophetic utterance or both. And it's inspired words being spoken through the Holy Spirit to encourage and to lift up. Um, just an illustration of my own. When Shirley and I moved to Brisbane, Australia, and I came on staff in an inner city church, I was Minister of Pastoral Care, one of five pastors, but Minister of Pastoral Care. So I had all my time just devoted to uh, caring for people, praying for people, and I was very, very busy praying for people. And I felt as I prayed for people that I should lay hands upon them. This is not something I had um, done a lot of in the past, but I felt free in my heart to lay hands upon people. And over the weeks that followed, uh, to my amazement, nearly everybody, maybe if I said everybody, it wouldn't be true, but nearly everybody I laid hands on said to me during the prayer time or after the prayer time, fire came through your hands. Uh, when you finished praying and took your hand off, hands off me, where your hands were, there was still fire there. And I was surprised, I was delighted that obviously something was happening because I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I was just ministering by faith, believing that God would minister life through the laying in of hands. And of course, it is to be uh, a, a life-giving experience. And so many, many people, and over the years, people would say to me, uh, heat came through your hands, fire came through your hands. And so I have laid hands upon people as I pray uh, so many times in so many countries without feeling anything, just by faith, by faith, by faith. And from time to time, I hear people again say, oh, heat came through your hands or fire came through your hands or fire was there for another 10 minutes after you finished praying. So as I prayed by faith, I was believing that God was doing something and obviously he was. So not to be a mere form, but to be something that's um, uh, in reality, an impartation of life. Uh, I could give some illustrations of this, but I won't. But just going back to the Old Testament, uh, Genesis chapter 48, verse 14, Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to their father, his father Jacob. And Manasseh was the firstborn, and he would get the firstborn blessing. And uh, he was not able to see well. And so Joseph guided his hands uh, to put the, his hands on the oldest son for the firstborn blessing. and on the youngest for the for the lesser blessing, the left hand on the um, the youngest one. But then Jacob took the hands and turned them around, and he put his right hand on the youngest, and his left hand on uh, or the right hand on the oldest. Sorry, youngest and the left hand. I'm getting a bit mixed up with left and right now. I think this is left or right. Depends which one you look at. Um, and when Jacob talked about that, he said, no, no, this is what I need to do. And God was imparting a blessing to the, the youngest son, the firstborn blessing to the youngest son. 
And so we see in the Old Testament, the laying on of hands was a part of the early patriarchs, patriarchs experience. Um, in Numbers chapter 27, at the end of Moses' life, um, Moses ordained Joshua as the new leader. And Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him, as did the Lord, what the Lord commanded Moses. So this action was one of great significance. But Joshua himself and the whole congregation, firstly, Moses transmitted to Joshua a measure of the spiritual wisdom and honor which he himself had received from God. Secondly, he publicly acknowledged before the whole congregation of Israel, God's appointment of Joshua as the leader who was to succeed him. And we see again in uh, 2 Kings chapter 13, Joash, the king of Israel, uh, went to pay his last respects to Elisha. And um, Joash took a bow and arrows with Elisha's hand on his, and he shot the arrow. Uh, there was a sense of the laying on of hands, and there was a, a sign, a prophetic sign, that uh, through uh, this king, would the Syrian people would be um, uh, would be overcome. I had an experience <clears throat> when in Brisbane, Australia, being the you know praying for people. Uh, one morning, <clears throat> I went to prayer, or before I went to prayer, the lady who joined me in prayer, uh, a lady, an older lady, a retired missionary, um, as she came into my office, she said to me, "Oh, you're leaving us, aren't you, Grant?" And I said, "Yes." I said, "How did you know?" Because I we told no one. And she said, well, the Lord told me. And um, I said, well, actually, this morning I'm going to the uh, the elders meeting and it's going to be spoken of there. And uh, <clears throat> yes, we we got, we believe God has called us um, to Canada. So she was aware of it because the Holy Spirit had spoken to her. Well, during the prayer time, we were praying for a lady and um, ministering life to her, laying hands upon her. And about halfway through the prayer time, I just felt to stop praying for this lady and to lay hands upon Daphne, my friend um, who was so able to help me. And I just laid hands upon her, <clears throat> stopped praying, didn't talk to the, to the lady we were praying for, just laid hands upon her and just for just a few minutes and then went back to praying for this other lady. Daphne said to me after the prayer time was over, she said, Graham, when you laid hands upon me, uh, I felt an anointing come upon me, right through my whole being, an anointing came upon me. And I realized that she was feeling something, even though I just laid my hands upon her by faith, and I was committing to her uh, the ministry that we had together. I was giving it over to her, as it were. And just as uh, Moses laid his hands upon Joshua, um, I was laying my hands upon this work fellow worker, and there was an impartation and an acknowledging in the spiritual realm that she was now going to be leading this particular area. So I've had experiences like that um, over the years. Just um, talking about the laying on of hands in the New Testament, um, there were five purposes for the laying on of hands in the New Testament. One is physical healing in the name of Jesus, as in Mark chapter 16, 17 and 18, um, going to all the world and preach the gospel. In my name, they will cast out demons and so on and so on. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So that's one aspect of the laying on of hands, although the Lord is not limited to the laying on of hands to heal people. 
um, when in Brisbane, we had a meeting once a month to reach the unsaved. And this particular night, an unsaved lady came in. Uh, she had a, a built-up shoe, really highly built up. And uh, she, she wasn't a Christian. Well, I, I presume she was prayed for in the meeting or after the meeting. But she went home. And that night, she didn't sleep so well because she felt the power of God working in her body. And throughout the night, a, an adjustment was taking place. She could feel it. And in the morning, her two legs were, were, were equal. And uh, she had been healed. And she had to get another shoe because there was such a big difference between the two shoes that she had. And uh, she joined our church, was part of our church, and we were delighted that God touched her in such a wonderful way. But she didn't have people lay hands upon her, especially in the night. Um, but God touched her anyway. So God's not limited to someone laying hands upon people. The Bible talks about anointing with oil as, as well. As um, we see in James chapter 5, 14 and 15. Uh, another reason or another purpose for the laying on of hands in the New Testament is Acts chapter 8, 14 to 20. Uh, to receive the infilling or the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And again, hands don't have to be laid upon a person. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon those disciples. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit uh, without people laying hands upon them. But uh, on um, other occasions, hands were laid upon people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the imparting of spiritual gifts. Um, Paul said to Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Um, that means the, the elders, a group of elders. So there can be an impartation of spiritual gifts that way. Um, again, another personal experience. Uh, I was um, in the church of Shirley's first cousin, or one of her first cousins. She had many relatives. Um, and I was praying for him that just a day or two before I spoke to the church. And he said, oh, Graham, I've desired a particular gift. Um, and um, I wonder if you could pray for me to receive that gift. And I said to him, well, I, I'm not the gift giver. Uh, Jesus is the one who gives the gift. And I normally don't pray because people ask me, but just spontaneously, uh, because I feel to do something like that. So there have been times over the years and I've been praying for people and I've just felt to pray a certain way and to speak an impartation in the name of Jesus and through the laying of hands. But I felt free in my heart to pray for him. And he desired the gift of discerning the spirits. So I prayed for that gift. And then was it the next night or two nights later, I was in a meeting in his church. And I noticed um, a lady at the back that I had not seen for ever or for ages. She was uh, a sister of one of my best friends, uh, lived next door to one of my aunts, and I holidayed with my aunt once a year. And there she was, and I thought, wow, I haven't seen her for ages. And then there was a man next to her, and I thought, oh, that um, must be her husband. Never met him. Well, they waited and waited and waited because I was praying for people and couldn't get back to talk to them or pray for them if they wanted prayer. But I noticed the pastor come and um, pray for this man. And then when I was free, I went to the back and met this lady after all of these years and met her husband. And um, I was asked if I would pray for him. So I prayed for the husband, and when we'd finished praying, the, the folks were amazed. Um, apparently, 
the pastor who had gone back, the one I'd prayed for the day or two before and laid hands upon him to receive a, a particular gift, that God had done something because the pastor and the man said, you have prayed in the same areas uh, that, the, that the pastor of the church did tonight. And there were maybe 10 areas. And not only did you pray for those areas, into those areas, but you pray in the same order. Like if there were 10, in the same order, 10. And I said to my pastor friend, he said, come here, Rick, come here. I said, you asked for prayer a couple of days ago, yes. And you asked for a certain gift, yes. Well, this is a confirmation for you. This is the Lord encouraging you that something happened a couple of days back through the laying out of hands and through your faith being exercised. Um, hear this. You, I prayed exactly in the same order and in the same areas that you had prayed for uh, just you know, within the hour. I said, be encouraged. That gift is beginning to operate in your life. But it came because a man had a hungry heart. He had an open heart. He was wanting and desiring from the Lord. And there had been a time of laying on the pants. Something had happened through the laying on the pants. Well, we just see one verse in this passage talking about um, the laying on the pants. But as I read that, I thought, oh, Lord, I'm so grateful for the things you do through natural means, the good works. And may we be a, a people who are full of good works and so on. But may we be a people, too, that move in the supernatural. May we be um, like Stephen of old, Lord. Uh, may we be able to impart a spiritual dimension, a spiritual power, because the needs are so great everywhere. And as you know, amongst us, I mean, I've had struggles myself. I had to go into the clinic and have, walk in a few months ago and have a little operation there through an injury I had 15 years ago in Germany. Um, I'm so grateful for the care we get. I've had needs. You've had needs. We know people all around us that are struggling in, in certain ways. But thank God for the help we can receive naturally. But my longing also is that we will we'll not reject that. We will receive that. But we'll be open to work together with the Lord to impart life and power and healing uh, through things such as the laying on of hands. Well, there's much that could be said about this, but uh, my time has almost come to an end here. Um, another way the laying of hands is, is, is used or spoken of in the New Testament. Well, I mentioned, I mentioned physical healing, infilling of the Holy Spirit, imparting of spiritual gifts, uh, the commissioning of ministers, Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas were sent off after prayer and fasting and the laying of hands and they were sent out, they were commissioned. And then through the appointing of elders and deacons, as in Acts chapter 6, when the deacons were set aside, uh, the apostles, after praying, laid their hands on them, and they were commissioned to that particular task. So we can read scriptures, and we can just read them quickly. Uh, we may be familiar with them in our background. With church background, we may not be familiar at all, as was my case. But may we be open to say, Lord, please, uh, work in me and through me and help me to be a channel of blessing from above uh, as we share the word and as we pray for others. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for the gifts that you 
give men. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that works today. Thank you, Lord, that we can work together with you to speak life, to be vessels of good works. But we desire also that we'll touch the, the area of the supernatural more and more and more as never before as individuals and as churches across the land. Lord, you see the needs They're around the world at the moment with the virus. And, oh, Lord, how we need you to intervene. And we just make ourselves available that as we care for people, as we pray for people, that you would use us in the, both the natural way but also in the supernatural. We desire the ministry of the Holy Spirit amongst us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.